Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 107 of the Young Lions Perspective. I know last episode I did um, with my class champions preview and predictions, I said 105. I should have said 106 because the episode prior to that was actually 105. So that's a little correction for y'all, but I hope y'all are doing well. It is Friday, getting live day. And uh, getting ready to kick off your weekend, hopefully in the best way possible. We are looking at week two of the NFL season, week three of the college football season. And it shaped it up to be a great fucking weekend. But I wanted to kick off the show um, by talking about this article and this bit of news. Um, the That WWE Worlds Collide event is going to be replacing NXT TakeOver during next year's Royal Rumble weekend. I was very shocked when I heard that announcement, um, and I have my thoughts about it, but we're going to get into the article real quick before I give you my thoughts on the whole deal. Um, so this is from comicbook.com, written by Connor Casey from this past Monday. It appears WWE is looking to shape up, shake up its pay-per-view schedule for 2020. For the last three years, NXT has run an NXT TakeOver event the night before WWE's annual Royal Rumble pay-per-view in the same city. The latest being TakeOver Phoenix, the night before the 2019 Royal Rumble in January. But according to Pro Wrestling Sheets, Ryan Satin, WWE, will replace the TakeOver event in January 2020 with the WWE World's Collide event. Satin discovered on Monday that WWE's travel package information for the Royal Rumble weekend had a World's Collide show listed. Sources in WWE confirm this is not a mistake. The schedule of 20 NXT TakeOver events in 2020, with more details to be announced in the future. And quote hero, the new program first appeared in 2019, January 2019 with a special tournament at the Royal Rumble Access event featuring stars from NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live brands. A second Worlds Collide taping took place at WrestleMania Access in April, which added wrestlers from Raw and SmackDown to the event and was released on the WWE Network in four episodes. Velveteen Dream won the series' first tournament, which eventually earned him a shot at Johnny Gargano's North American Championship. He won the title on January 30th at NXT's television taping and has held it ever since. NXT partially will make the jump from WWE to USA Network starting on September 18th as a two-hour live show. The brand will split its time between the two networks before making the full transition to USA starting on October 2nd. So far, three matches have been announced for NXT's USA premiere. Dream vs. Roderick Strong for the North American Championship. Mia Yim vs. Bianca Belair vs. Io Shirai for a shot at Sheena Baszler's NXT Women's Championship. And Matt Riddle vs. Killian Dane in a street fight. NXT Champion recent Adam Cole. Recently stated in an interview with ComicBook.com that the brand will continue its create current creative direction, regardless of the change in networks. Quote, I think an important, important recipe for NXT's success, and I can tell you that our team feels this exact same way, is we need to keep and stay true to what made NXT NXT, Cole said, because this move to the USA Network is not a mistake, end quote. He continues on saying, quote, it's not by accident. It's because of what NXT brings to the table already. So I think we very much recognize that keeping that formula of doing more of what this brand does that better than anybody is how we're going to succeed on the USA Network. Of course, there's going to be some exciting new things happening in NXT, but at the same time, we know what brought us to the dance, and we're going to stay true to that, end quote. So that was the article from comicbook.com talking about the Worlds Collide event going down at next year's Royal Rumble weekend. Here's my thoughts on it. And I actually uh, talked about this on Twitter for a little bit. 
when it was announced that the Worlds Collide event was going to be happening for Royal Rumble weekend, my first thought was, Vince McMahon must not enjoy getting his ass handed to him for the last three years. Because I've been saying this, and it's been a straight up fact, for the last three plus years, anytime a big four event has gone down, that being Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam and Survivor Series weekends, NXT took the spotlight and kept it on them for the entire weekend. NXT, I've stated this for a long, ever since I started this podcast, is the premier brand in all of WWE, whether Vince McMahon likes it or not. I think, I know he knows it, you know, you know it, I know it, we all know it. NXT is leaps and bounds better than WWE at this very moment, and we all know it. I think Vince McMahon made this call because he couldn't stand being second fiddle to NXT. He couldn't stand it. I don't think he could stand it anymore. I think he got tired of fans just enjoying SummerSlam. You know, let's let's go back to SummerSlam weekends. It's the most recent Big Four show. NXT TakeOver Toronto 2 outshined SummerSlam, easily. What they did in five matches, in two and a half hours plus, I believe, destroyed anything SummerSlam did in five. That includes the kickoff show. It's amazing to me how WWE is supposed to be the premier brand in all of professional wrestling, yet they get outshined by their own developmental brand every single time. Even in standalone takeover shows, it's one of the best shows of the year. NXT UK takeovers are, I say, they're even better than WWE pay per views. How is it that your developmental brands are better than your main roster? The main roster, I always compare it to baseball is the major leagues in WWE. And NXT and NXT UK, I would consider NXT to be a triple A and NXT UK to be a double A. And your triple A and double A ball clubs are better than your major league ball clubs. It's insane to me that Vince McMahon, and I'm because Vince McMahon is pretty much his company. It's his entire company. But how how do you let your developmental brands outshine you? How? You have, and many people have, and I've been saying this for a long while, and as other people have been saying it, other podcasters, you have literally the best, the, the, the probably the best, biggest and best roster in the history of your company. Ever in the I'd say close to four plus decades of you running the company, and somehow, some way, 
your five hours of program every week is getting beat by the two hours of developmental. Every damn week. I mean, Raw, Raw recently just had their second worst rated non-holiday show in the company's history this past Monday. With a 2.13. SmackDown just barely got over 2 million. Barely got over 2 million. When NXT moves over to the USA next week, all eyes are going to be on NXT. NXT is going to have literally two weeks, on, like, at least for one hour on the USA Network. And you know all eyes are going to be on the USA Network. Because look at what you had this coming Wednesday. Matt Riddle, Killian Dan. The NXT North American Championship will be on the first hour with Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream. The triple threat match for the number one contendership between Shirai, Yim, and Belair. That in and of itself is that and those those last two matches are just in the first hour on the USA network. All eyes are going to be on NXT. And I know for a fact that that rating for NXT next Wednesday is going to be miles better than Raw and SmackDown Live. Without a doubt. Because NXT is the popular brand. NXT is the better brand than WWE. At this point, we might as well consider NXT to be the third brand. They're not developmental anymore. They're now on television. On cable television. Every Wednesday. It's going to be every Wednesday night. For one hour. Next Wednesday and on September 25th. Come Wednesday, Wednesday, October 2nd, they will be a full-fledged TV show for two hours. But now, all of a sudden, upper management wants to not have takeovers during the Royal Rumble. It is quite laughable seeing that NXT TakeOver is not going to be going down. I would probably think NXT TakeOvers are not going to be going to be going down anymore during Big Four weekends. Anymore. And that that's very, very, very petty. Vince McMahon is once again being absolutely petty. It's petty. It's so petty beyond belief that Vince McMahon, instead of, you know, bettering his main roster, booking shows appropriately, and... Essentially, you know, being better than your developmental. 
How can you get outclassed by your developmental brand? How do you get outclassed? I've said it. I said it. Episode 106. This is the most critical paper view for Vince McMahon in 2019. And if he does not deliver this Sunday, they are going to be in a lot of trouble. Not only are they going now up against AEW, they're also going up against NXT. And if NXT starts building, and I guarantee you, NXT, once they start getting better ratings than Raw and SmackDown, and once AEW eventually gets better ratings than NXT, that's when he's going to rear his ugly head in NXT and start to book shows like he does with Raw and SmackDown. It's fucking inevitable that it's going to happen. What does that mean for NXT? The quality of the shows will drop. You mean to tell me that even though Triple H is still in control of NXT, Vince McMahon won't rewrite the shows? If AEW starts gaining more ratings than NXT does? It's inevitable that AEW is going to garner more ratings than NXT. Why? It's a new product. It's something new, something fresh. And AEW All Out made their case for fans to watch AEW on TNT in three weeks. So, yeah, sure. Let NXT have their standalone pay-per-views. They'll still be better than the WWE pay-per-views. Much better. They always have been. And I've said it for the longest time now three plus years of NXT and WWE being on the same big four weekend and WWE gets outshined literally every single time with the exception of Royal Rumble San Antonio weekend that is about as close as they have gotten to at least being as good as NXT TakeOver San Antonio That's the closest they've gotten to bettering their developmental brand. Why? Because Triple H gets it, and Vince McMahon does not. Triple H understands the you know character development, long-term booking, getting talent over based on what they can do in the ring, developing their promos, developing their skill set, Developing their moveset. Developing them over time. The biggest storyline of this year so far has been the Undisputed Prophecy. The biggest storyline of 2019 in NXT has been the Undisputed Prophecy. Adam Cole taking the North NXT Championship. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly finally winning the Tag Team Championships. I take over Toronto too. Actually, no, not take over Toronto too. Uh, about I think about a two weeks after, two episodes after take over Toronto too. And now this coming Wednesday we have Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship, and I have a feeling that Strong is going to take the North American Championship away from the Velveteen Dream to complete the undisputed prophecy. That has been the biggest storyline in NXT all year long. Name the top storyline, a long-term storyline that has been going on in WWE right now. 
take all the time you need. I have yet to see a long-term storyline with the build of like undisputed prophecy. Even going back further, the biggest story going into 2019 before um, Champa, Gargano, Black, and Ricochet were being brought in and brought up to the main roster. The biggest storyline we were, we were waiting to, for to conclude was the Gargano Champa saga. Two plus years of storyline. That was gonna finish, that was gonna pretty much conclude at TakeOver New York. We didn't get that because Vince McMahon brought them up. And Champa suffered it. Pretty much fucked his neck up. We never got that conclusion. And now that Champa's making his way back to NXT, the possibility of Gargano Champa is still there, depending on what Gargano had talked about in his promo just for, uh, this past Wednesday night. And we'll discuss that in a little bit on the NXT review. But it's crazy to me that Vince McMahon, instead of celebrating the fact that NXT is doing very well for themselves, that that would make that would make Vince McMahon want to have his brand compete. There's nothing wrong with a little friendly competition, people. If anything, friendly competition brings out the best in everybody. Think about it with my fantasy football league. Uh, you know, I'm very good friends with almost everybody in the league. I don't know everybody. But the, out of the 10 people that started our league just a few years ago, seven are still, the, the original members of the league, myself included, are still on. We're still in the league. Why? It builds, it's friendly competition. It's something that helps us, even though we're hundreds of miles away from each other. Myself, I'm in Jersey. My one of my good friends, Duffy, is in Phil, is uh, in Virginia. My best friends, one of my best friends, Sebastian, he lives in him. My buddy, Ch- uh, not Chase, Chase is on the league. Um, Teddy, his wife Amanda, um, uh, my my two boys, Dan and Dan, they live in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We are all in this league. It helps us keep, you know, touch with each other. You know, sure, we'll talk shit during the week, you know, talking smack in our group chat, you know, all that. But it keeps us together. It keeps us, you know, close. Even when we're not, even though I don't see them as often. I only see, I only go down to Myrtle Beach once a year. Single to my weekend. I haven't seen my buddy Duffy since three years, three years ago. I keep, t- I keep in touch with him as well. I keep in touch with everybody. My, be- my best friend Sebastian, Dan, my buddy Dan, I'm playing this week. You know, we'll talk, we'll probably talk a little smack prior to Sunday. You know, those are my peoples. I fucks with them. And it's friendly competition. Yeah, we're playing for money, but at the end of the day, it's friendly competition. Equate to take that, take that friendly competition case in the WWE and NXT. Vince McMahon is so petty that he is willing to rid NXT, take NXT off of their big four weekends because he can't handle the fact that NXT is better than his brand right now. I'm sure he's been hearing it for for three years now. 
He has been hearing it. We've been saying it on social media. We've been saying it in articles online. That NXT outshines WWE with every passing day. And I'm sure that eats at him every fucking day. And now it's gotten to the point where the World's Collide event is taking over for NXT TakeOver. And you as a fan, if you're a fan of NXT, you should be outraged. And you should also understand the fact that Vince McMahon can't handle being beaten. Vince McMahon can't handle the fact that a developmental brand is doing well for themselves. That shouldn't piss off Vince McMahon. That should encourage or encourage Vince McMahon to be better. Just talk with, you know, compare notes with Triple H. Hey, how are you doing this better? You know, I kind of want to, you know, I want to, how are you doing this? It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't have that kind of feel to it. That's how I see it. When Vince McMahon calls up guys, guys and girls from the NXT roster, look at what he's done to them as of late. The biggest case will always be EC3. EC3 was in NXT. Derek Bateman left the WWE, went over to Impact, had a great career in Impact, comes back to NXT, flourishes, gets called up way before he was supposed to, and is now being buried on Monday Night Raw. I think EC3 is a great talent. I think with a if, if EC3 stayed in NXT for another year and a half before getting called up, he would have already been at least either a North American champion or an NXT champion at least once. He would have been heralded as one of the pillars of NXT. And I guarantee if he were still in NXT right now, he would be one of the cornerstones of the brand going into next Wednesday. I guarantee it. And now he's being buried. Ricochet came up with Champa Gargano, Aleister Black. Let's talk about that for a second. Champa says he's staying in NXT because he doesn't want to go up to the main roster. Gargano, it's still up in the air whether he wants to go to NXT, you know, whether he's staying in NXT or not. And like I said, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Ricochet, four months after his debut on the main roster, was a United States champion for three whole weeks. Aleister Black has only had one pay-per-view match since he made it up to the main roster. Actually, yeah, one pay-per-view match, if I'm not mistaken. And his best match of this year was in NXT, when he and Ricochet took on the War Raiders for the NXT Tag Team Championships. At TakeOver New York. And I I honestly say for a fact, that was Ricochet's best match of his year as well. Shinsuke Nakamura. Heralded in NXT. Former two-time NXT champion. Only one of, I believe, two people that can say they've won the NXT championship twice. Heralded in NXT. Ever since his debut against Sami Zayn. Three years ago. At TakeOver Dallas. That was his debut. 
And that was one of the best matches of the year at that time. Now he's Intercontinental Champion. And he's facing The Miz. In a match that was built so piss poor. Vince McMahon does not want to see the NXT guys flourish on the main roster. It's evident. It's been evident for years. It's it's just, it's not even shocking. It's not even... It's beyond my train of thought. It's beyond my train of thought. My IQ cannot handle this. But at the end of the day, NXT replacing NXT TakeOver in Royal Rumble weekend with the World's Collide Tournament is the wrong call. You can have World's Collide during Royal Rumble Access Weekend. That's fine. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can have that happen. You can have it happen during Thursday and Friday events. You're going to tape it anyway, so why not have it doing thir- during Thursdays and Friday? Because Vince McMahon doesn't want to see NXT be better than WWE. He doesn't. And now you're seeing it right in front of your eyes. NXT, even as a standalone pay-per-view will still be better than WWE because Vince McMahon is not doing what's necessary to make WWE flourish as the premier brand of professional wrestling in the game today. That's all there is to it. This is episode 107 of the Young Lions Perspective. With that being said, let's talk about NXT. Guys, Zach from the Wrestling Delicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 107 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad you're here with me on this lovely but chilly Friday afternoon here in the Garden State. But I hope you're enjoying the weather where you are, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Thank God that whoever invented coffee was a genius because I am ready to go with NXT review and this is sort of like bittersweet for yours truly and for everyone who's been a fan of NXT for the past few years. Um, this was the last full episode, the go home episode, if you will, before NXT begins their excursion onto cable television and going live this Wednesday on the USA Network. And this was a good, really damn good way to go out if this is the last full episode we were going to see on the WWE Network. Ooh, excuse me. 
I mean, we had Rhea Ripley. Of course, we already knew that Rhea Ripley and Sheena Baszler were going to be going one-on-one in a non-title matchup. And this was very heated after Rhea Ripley's promo segment on Sheena Baszler. We also had Damian Priest in action one-on-one going up against Boa. Um, Former WWE United Kingdom Champion Pete Dunne going one-on-one with Angel Garza. Cameron Grimes went one-on-one with Raul Mendoza. And Johnny Gargano also making his appearance on Wednesday night's episode. Talking about what his future in WWE is going to be. So let's get into it. Let's kick off the show proper. Talking about the Archer of Infamy, Damian Priest against Boa. And I had actually stated, if you guys were uh, checking out my uh, tweets uh, while I was watching the show live, and uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter, at Suede Senator WWI, S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweet, you know, for NXT. And may I say, I am a big fan of Damian Priest. Um, ever since he made his debut just a few weeks ago, I have been on board with Damian Priest. I like the way they've, you know, depicted him as like this rock star kind of guy. Um, you know, the Archer of Infamy, the music, the entrance. It's just very, it fits Priest very well. I mean, he's already got a, a big victory over Keith Lee. Um, I'm interested to see what they are, are going to do with him going forward. And Boa also um, is one of those guys from the breakout tournament where I was curious to see how they were going to approach it with Boa. Um, He did get knocked out in the first round against uh, eventual NXT tournament, NXT breakout tournament winner, um, Jordan Miles. But I was curious to see how they were going to have Boa move on going forward. This was basically his first match after the entire breakout tournament. So I was curious to see how he was going to fare against uh, a guy in Damian Priest, who, they, I, who, in my mind, I think they have big plans for going into 2020. So let's get into the action. The bell rings, Damian smiles as he ties up, powers Boa to the corner. Now, mind you, both these guys are about the same height. I think uh, Damian Priest is like 6'4", 6'5". Boa is right up there. I think 6'3", 6'4". He's a tall dude, and he can, he can do some things. Um, but getting back into the action, Damian let off. But Boa dodges the big haymaker from Priest. They tie up again. B- Damien shoves Boa off. Boa stays standing. Damien eggs him on. Boa then kicks him, gets, but then runs after Damien Priest, but gets run over with the shoulder tackle. Damien daring Boa to get up. Boa daring Damien now to run off the ropes. But Damien rocks him with a right. And Magic McGinnis saying, Damien Priest does not listen to anybody. And that includes Boa stomps away at Boa on the corner. Referee had to back Damien off. Damien drags Boa up. Goes for the Irish whip. Boa kicks back. But Damien hits a jumping roundhouse kick. He then jumps for a big back elbow onto Boa in the corner. Then suplexes and tosses Boa for the Falcon Arrow. Boa writhing in pain while Damien is laughing at him. He starts towing with Boa, with Boa. Fans rallying up behind Boa. Damien dragging Boa by his ear. Referee has to reprimand him. He toys with Boa again. Boa then chops back and kicks Damien Priest. Dodges the, dodges the shot. Kicks him. Boots him again. And staggers Damien. But Damien staggers into another kick. He goes side by side. Goes side to side. Hits a shotgun drop kick. Fans firing up with Boa. But Damien hits a discus lariat. Down goes Boa. 
Damien waiting for him to stand in the corner. Takes him with the arrow. Hits the cyclone kick. Hooks him up in the dragon seafloor. Hits the reckoning. And that's all she wrote for Boa. Damien Priest easily getting the victory over Boa. Now, this was actually a decent performance by Boa. I actually have to say, even though it was a very short match, I still believe, you know, Boa's going to get there over time. I mean, he's, he's still... A straight up prospect in the ter- in terms of you know having him develop over time, um, but I know Damian Priest is really the hot hand right now in terms of the mid card. I I know W I have the feeling NXT has big plans for him. Um, I'd say those big plans are going to come to fruition come 2020. Right now they're just developing his character. Um, the match with Keith Lee was kind of a, his first big major deal. In um in NXT, so they're still you know having him go up the ladder slowly but surely. They're taking their time with him, and that's what I said in the opening segment. Their character development is probably one of the key things in NXT. The developing that Archer of Infamy character and developing Damian Priest and who well, I think is going to be a major player at least in the NXT North American Championship title picture come 2020. I think having him in the big card and possibly fighting for the NXT North American Championship in 2020, I think this works for him. He's a surefire mid-carder right now with with the chance of becoming an upper mid-carder leaning towards the NXT Championship probably at the end, I would say end of 2020 going into 21. I, I, you know, I like I said, I like the fact that they build their characters. I like the fact that over time, they're building their talent up slowly but surely. And 2021, I think we'll, we'll be seeing Damian Priest in the NXT Championship title picture with him being in the North American title picture come 2020. I think that would be the perfect timetable for Damian Priest going forward, and I know that NXT management probably is also thinking that in the back of their minds. You just have to follow the bouncing ball. We then get into a promo segment with the one and only you know him, you love him, the Velveteen Dream. He states that to get the attention of me, the savior of the backbreaker set my couch ablaze. Ablaze. He says that if Roderick Strong thinks my North American Championship reign is going to go up in flames, he's lying to himself. He wants to see if I'm ready for that 1v1 experience. Then he quotes Hunger Games. If the dream burns, strong will burn with me. As we go into next week, when they go live on the USA Network, and they finally have that NXT North American Championship, this is going to be a very, very, very good match. I think NXT is definitely has taken their time with Dream. They've really they've really done well with the Dream. They've really done, and, and I think Roderick Strong, they've done well with him as well over time. Excuse me. And the fact that, you know, we're having this matchup one match away from possibly filling, fulfilling the undisputed prophecy of 
every member of the Undisputed Era having a championship around their waist is very, very possible now. Um, if you had to put me on the spot and say, Zach, YLP guy, who are you taking in this matchup? Let's discuss facts. North America, uh, Velveteen Dream has been North American champion since January 30th, the day after my birthday. He has been champion for almost eight months. Almost a clear eight months. I think it's time for Roderick Strong to finally become North American champion. I think the Undisputed Prophecy needs to be fulfilled as we head into war games. I think, and I, like I said before, a few episodes ago, winner takes all. Winner takes all. That is going to be the, that is the theme going forward into war games. You can't have a winner take all match if every member of the Undisputed Era doesn't have a title. I see. I can see easily see Roderick Strong becoming the new North America champion next Wednesday night. And the fact that it's going to be on the first hour, which means they're going to have, uh, they're going to definitely pull out all the stops. So that means you're not only going to get the triple threat match or so we think, between Shirai, Belair, and Yim. But also, we're going to get the North American Championship match in the first hour of NXT on the USA Network. Because Suits has to have their final fucking season and couldn't just move over to a goddamn day. Couldn't move to Thursday. Couldn't move to Thursday, couldn't move to Friday. We, we would have appreciated that. But... I can, but I think this Wednesday coming up is going to be the Dream's last night as NXT North American Champion. One of the bigger storylines going into this week, this week's episode of NXT, was Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, coming back for the first time since his match with Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver Toronto back in early August. This was a very big moment because a lot of people were thinking, myself included, that he was going to make his way up to the main roster. This was going to be his last night as a member of the Black and Gold Army, and he was going to be moved up to the main roster, and we were fearing the worst. It was a bitter... At that moment, I felt bittersweet as he was coming out, high-fiving the fans, as many as he could getting into the ring. As Gargano grabbed the microphone, fans were chanting Johnny Wrestling for like a good solid like two minutes. And my my heart was set on and seeing that, you know, this is going to be his last night on the brand. It made me worried. I was wor- I was very worried and I'm still I was still worried up until this point because I'm thinking, man, you know, usually after a match like that, after the chance of thank you, Johnny, usually that indicates a wrestler is being called up to the main roster. It's always been that way. The standard was set. Same thing happened with Alice Black and Ricochet upon their move up to the main roster. You know, chance of thank you, Alistair. Thank you, Ricochet. The bow from the War Raiders. All that shit. So my thought, my thought process was dead set on, man, they're going to move Johnny up to the roster and they're going to bury him. They're going to put him on 205 Live or some shit. But luckily, 205 is canceled. 
and they're going to be moving over to NXT. So at least in the Cruiserweight Championship is going to be going over to NXT. So at least we'll have another championship on NXT. I may discuss that at a later time with uh, 205 Live being canceled and um, the Cruiserweight division now going to be on NXT, which is just, I think it's a very huge positive for the for the Black and Gold Army going forward. But let's get back into what Gargano's promo was. He tells the fans, he promised them, the management, that he would not be very long out here. Fans finally called down. Gargano begins his promo. Quote, I asked if I could come out here to talk to you guys because I heard all the rumors. I've read the reports. Everyone from my parents to that guy in the soccer jersey was asking what the future holds for me. Fans are begging, please don't go. Please don't go. In my mind, I'm thinking the same damn thing. But the last time I was in the ring, I fell 20 feet from a steel cage through tables. But woke up to the standing ovation of thank you, Johnny. And they repeated thank you, Johnny Chance, for about a good solid 30 seconds. He says, but trust me when I say that I appreciate it and I thank you. There would be no Johnny Wrestling if it wasn't for all of you guys. You helped me build up NXT together. And I say this with every bit of my heart. I absolutely love everything about NXT. I love you guys for giving giving your all for wrestlers like me and those in the back. Putting on the best pro wrestling show on the planet. Fans give an ovation for that gratitude. Because NXT fans are like no other. They are like none other in this business. I, I, I Besides you, besides NXT UK, they're awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, NXT fans are some of the most rabid fans in the business. Myself included. He says that he's been here for a long time. Seeing people come and go. But everyone has a say in their future. And I've made that choice. NXT has had my back since day one. So I want to tell you all personally that I'm officially... Out comes Shane fucking Thorne. I wrote in a tweet during NXT this past Wednesday that do not bring out Shane Thorne. What do they do? Bring out Shane Thorne. He's walking out with a microphone, of course, enjoying that chorus of boos and jeers. He says, quote, of course. Of course. Really, Johnny? Is this necessary? Do we really need more Johnny Gargano? More time is being wasted on you when you just could have tweeted, but no, no. You had to be here at full sail. I don't care. I get it, though. You're a pillar of NXT. You're Johnny Takeover. But I want to tell you face to face. This place is going to be just fine without you. In fact, with the right person finally in the spotlight, it's going to be even better, referring to himself. So you should just take a bow and take a walk. Thorne walks, moves out of the way, waits for Gargano to start moving. Gargano starts walking away. But Gargano tells Thorne, you're right. I am NXT, and I'm not going anywhere, and super kicks the living hell out of Shane Thorne, knocking him out. Crowd goes bananas. Gargan standing over Thorne as he writes out NXT for 
life. Johnny Gargano, ladies and gentlemen, is staying in NXT. And personally, between you and I, that is the best move Johnny Gargano can make. The best move. Because I don't think for one second WWE would know what to do with Johnny Gargano. They wouldn't know what to do with him. He is a true blue baby face. And they don't know how to book baby faces and heels as it is on the main roster. They don't. We all know it. It's it, it's a sad thing that when NXT call-ups get called up, NXT, not, not NXT, WWE doesn't know what to do with them. Look at the War Raiders right now. Look at AOP right now. Look at Heavy Machinery right now. That is three huge pillars of the tag team division over the past couple of years. And they don't know what to do with them. I think War Raiders now are just getting into a program with the OC. Just now getting into a program with the OC. Heavy Machinery this past Tuesday, base jobbers. AOP, I haven't seen them in a long time. It's been months since I've seen them on the on main roster television. They have nothing for them. Personally, all three teams should go back to NXT. Because that division, the tag team division, would be better off with those three in NXT than they would be on the main roster right now who don't know how to book tag team wrestling going forward. They just don't. They honestly don't. And it's sad to me that, you know, Champa is going to stay in NXT. Gargano is staying in NXT. It's only sad that, you know, I only say it's sad is because that WWE doesn't know how to book NXT call-ups. And it's just another reason why they don't know how to book NXT call-ups. Nonetheless, getting in, getting along with, the, with this review, the Forgotten Sons Divine... Savage. Now they actually have the actual Webster's dictionary definition. Savage, lacking the restraints normal to civilized human beings. The Forgotten Sons say they are the savages of NXT. They were cast out and tossed aside, but the whole world will witness their vulgar display of savagery, and the Forgotten Sons will be forgotten no more. I'm a fan of the Forgotten Sons, but. Week after week, it seems like the Forgotten Sons aren't really being featured as much as I hope they would. And it kind of concerns me a little bit because I do I think in the right light, the Forgotten Sons could be, you know, a big deal in the NXT Tag Team Division. I don't know when. I mean, I'd say right now, if it's like, if, if you've got a hierarchy right now, Undisputed errors, of course, your top guys. Street Profits are kind of in there still somewhere. Um, I believe it, a rematch is probably imminent. Rezango is literally going to be the next team, I'd say, to face the Undisputed Era for the Tag Team Championships. And I'd say the Forgotten Sons may be right, by, right behind them in terms of maybe hierarchy of possibly who could be challenging for the tag titles. Nonetheless, we'll see what the Forgotten Sons go to have, have them for them going forward. This next matchup was actually pretty interesting to me. Um, Pete Dunne versus Angel Garza. I actually was interested in this matchup. I wasn't even expecting this matchup. Um, 
But that's what I like about NXT. You can expect the unexpected. And that, you know, and I've said this before, NXT guys going, uh, NXT UK guys and girls going to NXT, I'd say it's just the next step for NXT UK talent. I think that's kind of like their system that they have. NXT UK, you know, you're going to do your thing in NXT UK. You're going to be the best at what you do. Get it in, and then they might bring you over to NXT to get you into a higher light. Now that NXT is going over to live TV, you know, it, it, it could put the UK talent in a much bigger spotlight. But before we get into Pete Dunn versus Angel Garza, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a we're taking a listen from our sponsors, and then we're going to get into Pete Dunn versus Angel Garza. Garza. My God, I needed more coffee. And then we'll get into the remainder of NXT Review. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to episode 107 of the Young Lions Perspective. Continuing on with our NXT review, like I said, Pete Dunne versus Angel Garza, the former United Kingdom champion, going one-on-one with uh, the semifinalist of the NXT Breakout Tournament. And I am very high on Angel Garza. I really do like this guy. I believe he has, he has solid heel written all over him. And Pete Dunne, I thought this was actually a really good, really, really damn good matchup between these two. Probably one of the be- the match of the night without question um, on NXT this past Wednesday. So let's get into it. Let's uh, not waste any more time with me rambling on. So as Garza was making his entrance, Dunn just had that look, like he had that head cocked to the side and just looked at him like, who the fuck are you? And what the fuck are you doing? I love Pete Dunn with that. I love the fact he just had that look of just like, motherfucker, what are you doing? Get in this ring and come get this smoke. Come get this ass whooping. Come, come on, what are you doing? So, fans start dueling chants between them. Garza staying away from Dunn's grip. And, of course, he prepares to do the pants-off dance-off. And I still think that him and Tai Chi need to have a damn conversation about uh, that gimmick because uh, Tai Chi does that first. And um, Tai Chi, I think, should be asking for royalties from Angel Garza's check, but that's just me. So he prepares to um, remove the tearaway pants, but Dunn immediately goes after the foot. Garza starts rolling and grabs Dunn's leg, but shifts to a waist lock. Uh, Dunn wrenches and lifts, drops, and then starts tweaking the arm of Garza, goes into a hammer lock, and starts to go after the fingers of the other hand. Garza enduring the torture, but Dunn turns that into, makes him a recliner, goes for the pin, gets a two count. Excuse me. Dunn, Garza actually trips Dunn, twists the arms together. He then sits on the arm pencil, and Dunn's, but Dunn slips out to roll Garza up and gets two count again, and both men then stand, have a standoff. Garza then goes for the headlock. Dunn powers out, starts to speed things up. Garza rolling off Dunn's back, but they keep things going, and Dunn hurdles to lariat Garza down and starts kicking out the arm of Dunn, going after the arm of Angel Garza in true Pete Dunn fashion. Garza writhing in pain, but Dunn starts wrenching and bending the arm. The joint manipulation on full display. Garza almost got the, his arm stomped out by Pete Dunn, but he avoids the stomp and starts asking for a bit of mercy. Dunn immediately grabs the thin fingers. Garza uses that to throw Dunn out of the ring and pulls off the pants to the delight of the female fans and the crowd. Um, 
Dunn, then rocks Garza with a right hand. Slingshots out Garza, then dodges the slingshot. Pops Dunn into a, up into a headstand. Super kicks him down to the mat, which was actually a fucking nice move. Garza then drags Dunn back up, but he's dead weight at this point. Garza leaving Dunn behind, says, screw it, I'll take the count of victory because, you know, whatever. So the referee begins, uh, begins his 10 count. Dunn climbs up at four, slides in at six. Garza starts toying with him, kicking Dunn around, puts him in the corner, starts chopping Dunn, turns him sideways, ends onto the ropes, referee starts counting, rams his knee, as he rams his knee into Dunn with him falling to the mat. Garza picks him back up immediately, but Dunn rings Garza into the buckle, he then dodges the shot by Garza, chops away on Garza, Dunn goes to the Irish whip, Garza reverses it, he goes up and over to an Enziguri, into a German suplex, wasn't the cleanest up and over, but he got the job done. Garza flopping about. Dunn starts stomping his hands. Hits a buzzsaw kick. Goes for the cover. Gets a two count. Dunn keeping his cool throughout the entire ordeal. He drags Garza up. Looks for, goes for the pump handle. Like he was going for the bitter end. But Garza slips out. Shoves Dunn away. Spins Dunn around. Dunn dodges but gets a drop kick in return. He then dra- uh, drags Dunn back up. Saying it is over. Going for the underhooks. Going for his finishing move. Dunn though pops Garza right up for a power bomb. Goes for the cover. One. Two. Garza kicks out at two. Dunn then grabs Garza's arms. Garza avoiding the stomp again. Runs Dunn up. Gets a two count out of that. Dunn goes into the corner. Dunn boots Garza away. Hops up to the middle ropes. Garza though trips him up and gets the shotgun kick on Dunn through the thighs. Trust me when I tell you. I'm not saying it happened to me, but it looked like it hurt like a motherfucker. Dunn falls to the mat. Garza immediately goes for the cover and gets a two count out of that. And Garza is now understanding why it takes so long to beat Pete Dunn, the one of the longest reigning champions in WWE history. Garza now both men are down. Fans are railing up behind both men. Garza getting up first, sits Dunn up, chops him back down to the mat, starts getting cocky. Dunn though grabs his arms and brings him in for some stomps to the face. Garza breaks free. Super kicks Dunn back down to the mat. Goes, flops to the cover. Gets two count out of that. A close 2.9. Garza starts raining down right hands. A little bit of ground and pound on Dunn. He drags Dunn up, but Dunn reels him in, stomps him out again, dragging Garza around, hits the buzzsaw kick. He is out, but Dunn does not immediately go for the cover. He drags Garza up, hits him with a kick, hits him with a chop. Dunn then runs in, but Garza pops Dunn up for a kick of his own. And the way he did it in the corner, he actually picked him up, Dunn grabbing the ropes. As he came down, he pretty much kicked him right in the gut. It was so, so nice. That was a very nice spot. Garza puts Dunn in the drop zone, climbs to the ropes, goes for the moonsault, but drops right into the arm bar of Pete Dunn. Has the fingers, snaps them, goes for that, um, I forget what they call it. I'm going to be so mad. The uh, the arm, the reverse arm triangle, snaps the fingers while he's doing so, and Garza could not do anything but tap out to Pete Dunn. The Bruiserweight winning by submission. Of course, in true Bruiserweight fashion, looks at the hard camera, simply shrugs it off. Garza looking over at Dunn, his fingers pretty much snapped, and that, I, I tell you, man, this is a very, very good match between Pete Dunn and Angel Garza. Pete Dunn is already solidified as one of the best in the game, of course, in all of NXT and NXT UK, but Garza, 
against one of the top guys in the development developmental right now, he had a very, very great showing. I was thoroughly impressed by Garza, you know, actually having what I say is one of the better, one of the best matches of his career so far. Um, you know, you're going up against a former United Kingdom champion and you went blow for blow with a former champion. Thoroughly impressed by what Angel Garza did. Dunn, of course, getting the victory, but even in defeat, Angel Garza impressed me. And that's always a good thing in the grand scheme of things. So the Street Profits were in New York City because of, of course, Madison Square Garden uh, shows happened this past Monday and Tuesday. And I believe it was um, Dawkins who said, so. no, it was Montez Ford who says, so this is what fresh air smells like in Central Park. This is where happiness and success converge. Madison Square Garden, Monday Night Raw, and the Street Profits are in the Big Apple. Historic. Dawkins, though, keeps everything in perspective by telling him, but there's something missing. It doesn't feel right without the NXT Tag Team Championships. That would have been something on a whole nother level. But NXT goes live on the USA Network. And what better way to make a statement than to take those tag titles back? Montez Ford saying, this is a great idea. Magnifique. But before that, we got to handle some business in MSG. And they're pretty much standing on this big rock in, uh, MSG, uh, in Central Park. And they're trying to figure out how do they get down there from here. So they start asking for directions. They, it's one random dude who's on the phone. Uh, he's asking, hey, um, you know where Madison Square Garden is? And the dude just points, it's that way. Yeah, appreciate it. Like, Thank you, man. Appreciate you. God bless. So do we jump? Nah, we're not jumping. We'll walk down. So it looks like, at least for the time being, um, the, the Street Profits are still in NXT. And I don't, I don't really... I don't know what to think about the whole Street Profits and them being on Raw and NXT at the same time. I I, I see. I mean, it, I mean, the the eventuality of them going to Raw is probably evident, especially now knowing that we have the draft going down in just a few, in just about I'd say what four weeks, four weeks from this week, four weeks actually from today. Since the draft is going to be held on October 11th. So, four weeks from today, we're going to be getting the draft. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the Street Profits may be getting, may, might get drafted to either Raw or SmackDown. Um, I would not want to see them get drafted to either brand. I personally would rather see them stay down in NXT. I think they have a little bit more work to do before they make their way up to the main roster. At, uh, at least a rematch with the excuse me with the Undisputed Era's uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish before they make their way up to the main roster I just have the strange feeling that they may get drafted to a main roster brand being Raw or Smackdown and then have their rematch on NXT before making their way up to the main roster and getting their last hurrahs from the crowd at Full Sail Arena in Winter Park, Florida. But we get into more action. Cameron Grimes, the, fi- the other finalist from the NXT Breakout Tournament, 
going up against mainstay Raul Mendoza. I like both of these guys. I really, um, with, and I spoke about this in the last NXT review, I didn't really understand Cameron Grimes' character, what the gimmick was, what the whole deal was. That promo, he cut not the best. Um, and I even said that was one of the few times when it came to NXT shows, um, it was one of those times where I honestly felt that this really didn't hit the mark for me. But what they did this week with Cameron Grimes is they actually give us details as to what Cameron Grimes is all about. Why he's wearing the top hat, why he's got the old the vest on. I like the vest. The vest was fucking lit. The top hat kind of weirded me out a little bit. But when Nigel McGinnis had said, this is harkening back to the days of the Carney vaudeville character. The guy you don't, the guy you cannot trust. It clicked for me. And I even tweeted out, it's little details like that that help us understand who a person who a person's character is. Little things like that. It's all about, I'm a guy who likes attention to detail. You know, especially if you're doing something at work um, or you have to work with certain things or uh, with my job, I work in uh, deliveries. Um, details are everything. We pride ourselves in details because we have to know everything prior to putting out a certain delivery, um, taking out, you know, making sure a delivery goes smooth, when certain items are coming in, when certain product is coming in, when we can actually bring it out. Do they want a specific, you know, do they want what are going on in the morning? Do they want it in the afternoon? Shit like that. So anything like that, anything where I see attention to detail helps me understand the character even more, helps me understand who and what a character is. And the fact that Nigel McGuinness made that quote, said what he said about, you know, Cameron Grimes, now helps me understand just a little bit more and all about what and who Cameron Grimes' character is going to be going forward. And I appreciate that. So that's a little something, another thing, WWE Mean Roster TV doesn't do. They don't help us understand the character in and of itself. But anyway, let's get into the matchup. Bell rings. Mendoza gets immediately gets Grimes in a wrist lock. Grimes rolling, sweeping covers. Goes to the cover, immediately gets a one count. Mendoza gets the arm again. Takes Grimes around, rolls him around a little bit with a little bit of extra of that sauce. Goes to the cover and gets a two count, disorienting Grimes just a tad bit. Mendoza goes back at the arm again, but Grimes pulls his hair. Grimes then goes to the Irish whip, slide, Mendoza slides, then hits a hurricane run on Grimes. Grimes flounders into the corner. Mendoza hits Grimes with a chop, puts him in another corner, hits another chop on Grimes. Goes for the Irish whip, but Grimes reverses it, only for Mendoza to slip outside. Grimes then goes to, goes to the top of the turnbuckles, drop kicks Mendoza out of his slingshot, which is a really nice spot. Grimes goes out to get Mendoza back in, whips him right into the ropes. Then starts clobbering Mendoza with a clothesline. Goes for the cover. Gets a two count. He keeps on Mendoza. Hold, gets him in an arm lock. Then puts... But Mendoza puts Grimes in the corner using the power game. Grimes then keeps on the arm. Mendoza has his back his back on the mat. Mendoza then continues to endure the hold. Fights his way back up. Fights to put Grimes in the corner. But Grimes throwing Mendoza, Mendoza down by the arm. Only for Mendoza to get back up and start hitting back on Grimes. He ends Aguri's Grimes and drop kicks him right into the corner. Mendoza runs in. Hits another insecurity in the corner. Climbs up, the, climbs up the top rope. Walks the ropes a la Undertaker, which was really, really nice. 
hits a missile drop kick that was freaking clean. Hits, goes for the standing shooting star, hits that, goes to the cover. One, two. Grimes kicks out. Grimes floundering in pain. Mendoza grabs the leg. Grimes has the rope though, going for the rope break, but Mendoza goes for him only to eat that rubber band hot shot. That same move that he used on Bronson Reed during the semifinals of the NXT Breakout Tournament. And that's going to be a signature move, it looks like, going forward for Cameron Grimes, which I think is a really cool move. Um, something I've never seen before. Um, that rubber band hot shot. It's, it's something that helps, you know, hits the head, you know, messes with people's eyesight for a second. And it works, and it's very effective. Grimes then boots, goes for the boot, but gets blocked by Mendoza, who starts firing up her forearms and kicks, hits another insecurity that rocks Grimes. Mendoza then runs in, only to be put on the apron. He kicks back, climbs up again, goes for the Phoenix Splash, but misses as Grimes gets out of the way. Grimes hits the double stomp, and that was enough to defeat Raul Mendoza on NXT. This is a good match for Grimes. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with Grimes going forward. Um, I know Raul Mendoza is one of those, is a, I guess, I, I don't like to say enhancement talent. I hate that term. Um, most people would just say jobber, and I hate that term too. But Raul Mendoza is definitely one of those guys that are is really, a, or for lack of a better term, um, to quote Cody Rhodes, is a solid hand. And I hate saying that too because Raul Mendoza is a hell of a talent. Um, he's he's uh, competed on 205 Live. And here's what I think now with. And let's talk about the Cruiserweight division for just a quick second before we move on into the NXT review. I think with the NXT Cruiserweight division now moving over to NXT after the cancellation of 205 Live. Like I said, I may I may have to have a separate episode about this. I think going forward, this could be a big deal for Raul Mendoza. And he can go from just being in, and I hate, like I said, I hate saying this, an enhancement talent, a jobber, a solid hand. He can now switch over to the cruiserweight division and start competing with the likes of a Kushida, start competing with the likes of a Oni Lorkin, not Mustafa, I was going to say Mustafa Ali, I should smack myself for that one, a Jack Gallagher, an Arya Davari, a Drew Gulak, an Umberto Carrillo, and, you know, the Singh brothers. I think the cruiserweight division is going to help Raul Mendoza going forward. I like Raul Mendoza, man. He And he's a fan favorite with the NXT crowd. He is a huge fan favorite. Anytime he comes out, the fans are in love with him. And on top of that, he could put on a good match. And he helped Cameron Grimes get over. I think the Cruiserweight division is going to help Raul Mendoza in fucking spades. Y'all just don't know it yet. This, this is just only going to make NXT that much better and add another layer to the cake that already is NXT. Getting back into the action, though, Candice LeRae barges into William Weaver's office. What does she have to do now? She barges into William Regal's office, though, but calms down before making her request. She, says, she tells NXT GM William Regal, I want you to explain why you keep rewarding EO. EO gets to be in the number one championship number one contenders triple threat match after attacking me, hit me with a kendo stick, attacking others. Of course, Regal saying, you know, I'm not trying to, re- I'm not rewarding anyone for such behavior. And Candace tells him, I'm just warning you, 
Io might not make it into that match. Excuse me. So for Regal, he's a fair mind. He understands, you know, the situation between her and Io has been going on so far. So he says, how about I change things to make things a little bit fair? That triple threat match is now going to be a fatal four-way. And you're going to be the fourth. Though, if Rhea Ripley wins tonight, that makes the case to escalate things to a five-way. Candace says she's fine with it, as long as she gets her hands on Io Shirai. So now, next week on NXT, the triple threat number one contenders match is now a fatal four-way number one contenders match with the winner getting the next shot. I'm, I'm assuming at next month's tapings for the NXT Women's Championship and going up against the god, the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. I think it's I think it's a perfect call. I think it's the right call. I love the call. Candace should have been in that match anyway. And I even I think I even said it that when they made initially they made the triple threat number one contenders match, why wasn't Candace involved? Candace deserves to be just as much in a part of that match as any of the other three. Given the fact alone that she has the rivalry with Io. And that could make the case for Io possibly not getting a chance to get a third chance at Shayna. So, so now you have a fatal four-way, and if Ripley beats Baszler, then it gets, becomes a five-way. That would actually be interesting. Um, but moving on with the NXT review. Dakota Kai is coming back to NXT. They do a little vignette for her. Uh, pretty much saying, my name is Dakota Kai. I'm the captain of Team Kick. And she actually had an ACL injury for the better part of seven months. Uh, she went down with an ACL injury um, back in January. A lot of people um, were... Uh, were high on Dakota Kai, especially after her match with Shayna Baszler many moons back, and I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Dakota Kai moving forward. Um, I don't see her in the uh, conversation of NXT Women's Championship just yet. Of course, the fact that, you know, she is coming back, and I, and I believe, I don't know, I'm not sure if, she's, if they said she's coming back next week or if she's going to be coming, I think she said that she's going to be coming back soon. So, I would probably think she'll be coming back Sometime in October, um, I think that would make sense. Um, new tapings, um, Dakota Kai comes back, does her thing in the ring. And they can start to build her back from there, and that helps the women's division even more. Because now you have Mia Yim, Shayna Baszler, now Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Vanessa Bourne, Aaliyah, Dana Arkanchi, Zaya Lee. That's not a bad women's division to fuck with. And if NXT UK talent continue to come over from the UK to the main roster over in NXT, that will just enhance the women's division even more. Also, given the fact that you now, in the PC right now, you have Deanna Peraza, Chelsea Green, and Rachel Evers. You also have those three ladies as well, and those three are kick-ass. If you saw them in the May Young Classic, Sands, Chelsea Green, Peraza, and Evers can definitely go in the ring. Chelsea Green, the fact that you have her on the roster 
and you had that, you know, other side of her, that Laurel Van Ness gimmick. Um, that also, I think, will enhance the women's division as well going into 2020. NXT, the NXT women's division right now is shaping up to be one of the best divisions. This this version of the women's division is one of the I, I'd say mine. This is gonna be this is actually behind the four horsewomen division when you had you know Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte and Becky and you had uh, you know Natalia in there, Paige in there, Emma. That was a strong division too. And they, they brought up classic matches. Classics. And I think now, you know, with, with you know, and I've been hearing rumors of maybe Tony Storm moving over to NXT. That would enhance, that would make, that, that would, I would probably say that would be one of the best divisions in the game right now. Talent-wise, because of what you have. NXT UK, you know, they have talent like Kaylee Ray, Ginny, Storm, Tony Storm, Zaya Brookside, um, Jazzy Gabber, Piper Niven. NXT, the NXT Women's Division in 2020 is going to be insane. In fucking insane. And I think they're going to fucking, I think 2020 is going to be one hell of a year for the Women's Division in NXT. I think they're going to make huge leaps and bounds with who they have in there right now. Especially if Ripley, Rhea Ripley is going to be a mainstay in NXT. And speaking of the Mosh Pit Kid, it's main event time here on NXT Review Part 2. Non-title match, Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. And after what we saw last week with Ripley and Baszler, that promo Ripley cut that stare down they had between these two. This match was set up to be one of the better matches, if not just hype alone. This is the biggest hype for the match of the night. Funny thing was, they started this matchup kind of with a little less than 15 minutes left. So it kind of concerned me a little bit that they we weren't it was we weren't going to get an actual definitive finish. But the hype surrounding this matchup was as big as ever. Of course, Rhea Ripley comes out. You know, fans are going bananas for her. She does her whole deal in the ring. I'm a big Rhea Ripley stand. I I stand for Rhea. I don't only stand for Rhea. I stand for Rhea. Feel me? She, I, I think when they made her the inaugural UK Women's Champion, I was concerned a little bit. I figured, you know, Tony Storm was going to lead that charge. But when they made Rhea the first champion and they had her win that title, I thought it was over time. It grew on me. It made the most sense to have Rhea be that first champion. And then when she had her match with matches with Tony Storm, they it, it helped her even more. And then she had the rivalry with Zaya, the whole deal with Piper, and now she's over in NXT. I I'm I'm ready. If she they're, they're gonna make her a mainstay on NXT, she could be a solid cornerstone for the division come 2020. So let's get into the matchup. Fans are fired up for Rhea. She pretty much you know set has you know once Shayna come out, Shayna comes out by herself on her own. So fans are fired up. They start circling. They finally tie up. They go around. Shannon gets the wrist lock. 
Rhea goes for the ropes, though. Shayna lets up. Shayna tries for a cheap shot, but Rhea saw it coming and blocks the sweep to give the sweep to Shayna. Shayna thrown off by Rhea, actually matching her blow for blow in the early going. They get up and go around again. Shayna gets the waist lock. Rhea pries out to go to an arm lock. Shayna fights back up. Rhea showing her strength with a scoop slam. She slips out of it, goes for the cure to clutch. Rhea denies that with a standing switch. Hi, Marley. Up. Good girl. And that was your obligatory Marley moment of the show. So, Shayna going after the arm. Rhea scoops, slams again. Rhea scoops and slams Shayna down to the mat. Fans going bananas as Rhea stomps, starts to stomp out Shayna. Rhea clubbing away on Shayna, but Shayna shoves her away. Rhea comes back with kicks, ramming her shoulder in. Referee starts to count in the corner. Rhea backs off to bring Shayna out. She starts clubbing Shayna more, taunts her in, in the only Rhea Ripley fashion she can. But Shayna cradle counters, goes to the pin and gets a two count out of it. Rhea, Rhea drop kicks Shayna. Rhea then runs at Shayna. Shayna dodges the move. Gets the uh, the boot gets caught up in the top rope. And Shayna sweeps the leg as Rhea is now stuck in the ropes. Shayna kicks Rhea out of her situation. The way they had it, she literally was in like some like confused like web of and, and a straight up web in the ropes. And the way she kicked her out of it was brutal. So she goes for the cover and gets a two count out of that. Shayna keeps on Rhea with a face lock, then turns that into an inverted neck wrench. Fans rallying, re-enduring it all. She fights her way back up, power Shayna up and over for a back drop. Shayna then dodges the drop kick and goes for the Kira Fuda clutch again, but Rhea fights off, ramming Shayna into the buckles. Shayna climbs up for a, the, her signature hangman sleeper. Referee starts her his five count. I believe it was her five count in the corner. Rhea fighting out with big hands, dropping Shayna. Drop kicking Shayna to the floor. Fans are going bananas as Rhea recovering in the ring. Shayna stirring on the outside as the referee begins the 10 count. Rhea is not going to end it like that. Goes out to get Shayna. Rhea drags Shayna up, but Shayna fights back with a big forearm. Goes for the gut right suplex, but gets denied. Gets picked up in the electric chair and eats a face buster on the steel steps. Of course, as her theme song goes with Rhea Ripley, this is my brutality. So Rhea throws Shayna back in, steadies herself. She goes in, but here come Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. She wrecks Marina with a boot. Jessamine stays back, though. Shayna attacks with a knee. Referee remanding the horse, reprimanding the horse win, but they give Shayna a chair in the process. Shayna, at this point, wants to just teach Rhea a lesson. Rhea blocks the chair shot. Takes the chair from Shayna and hits her with the chair, causing the referee to ring the bell and disqualify Rhea Ripley, giving the victory to Shayna Baszler. But it wasn't about wins or losses at this point. She is pissed. She wants Shayna Baszler and the and her the Queen's Army to come back to the ring. They they got out of dodge quick. They're up at the top of the ladder. She even takes a seat on the chair. So. Unfortunately for Rhea, she doesn't make the number one contenders match a fatal five-way. But this is what I see going forward. This is how I see it playing out. I don't care who wins the number with a fatal four-way number one contenders match next week. It doesn't matter who wins the fatal four-way fatal four-way match next week. They will lose to Shayna. And that's just not me saying because of my proclamation going back months ago that whoever 
if Shayna Baszler didn't beat Io Shirai in the cage match, I will pick Shayna Baszler until she loses the NXT Women's Championship. No, 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 no. This is just following the bouncing ball. Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler is your match at TakeOver War Games 3 Survivor Series weekend. Make no mistake about it. Ripley, Baszler is going to be your match at TakeOver War Games 3 Survivor Series weekend. Let that be known right now. This isn't over. And they even that, that chair shot, the disqualification, even lets you know that this isn't over. I think after the number one contenders match goes down, and then in October, when they have the title match with Shayna versus whoever wins the Fatal 4 number contenders match. Excuse me. Rhea Ripley is going to rear her head once again. And it's going to be Baszler Ripley at War Games for the NXT Women's Championship. It, it makes sense. Ripley looks strong. Came in strong and looks strong after what happened tonight. What happened last week and what happened. It was the perfect call. Because I think Baszler beating Ripley would have taken Ripley out of the running. Having Ripley lose by disqualification with a chair shot because of Marina and Marina Shafir and Duke and Jessamine Duke's shenanigans on the outside furthers this chapter. That means Baszler has still has to get through her title match in October, but come November, it's Ripley Baszler. And that that's gonna be the biggest thing. Guaranteed. So they so after the Ripley Baszler deal, they ended the show with, of course, who else but the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole states, boys and girls, the prophecy will finally be fulfilled. And it's not just that NXT goes live on the USA Network, all thanks to the four of us right here. What Adam what I mean is that Roderick Strong will finally beat the Velveteen Dream to become North American champion. Strong states that. He dared, Dream dared someone to get his attention. And look what I did to do it. I hated that couch. And I hate you, Dream. I finally get what's rightfully mine. And the Undisputed Era, the Undisputed Prophecy, will finally be fulfilled. Adam Cole states, NXT is getting bigger, better, and badder. All thanks to the era. No one on the freaking planet will be able to stop us after next week. That's not a threat or a promise. It's just undisputed this was a great show this was a great go home show before they move over to NXT NXT Live on the USA Network this was fan fucking tastic it was well done a really good show we got of course um Damian Priest of course showing his ass a really good matchup um Cameron Gar- Cameron Cameron and uh Cameron Grimes and um Angel Garza had good showings um tonight la- on I should say Wednesday night. Now we kind of have a better idea of what Grimes is all about now. Um Garza going one-on-one with Pete Dunne and showing his skills that shows he has a lot of promise in NXT going forward. And especially like with the Cruiserweight division going into it, I think Grimes and Garza will be prime. To fight for the Cruiserweight Championship going forward as well. Like I said, there's I will talk about this probably at a later date. But I think this adds a little bit more to that cake that is NXT. 
Um, Dream vs. Strong next week. We got the Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match um, going in the next week. The Street Profits pretty much saying we want, we want our rematch. Dakota Kai is going to be coming back. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Gargano staying in NXT as he's going to go up against Shane Thorne. Um, that's going to be interesting. And the fact that he's staying in NXT is going to be fucking great. He's going to be he's going to be one of the faces of NXT. Um, Rhea and Shayna, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a fucking great matchup when they get to War Games. You know, everything about that episode, the episode Wednesday night was just solid and get you getting you ready for what's going to happen this coming Wednesday when they go live on the USA Network. I think this is solid. It was a great way to get you prepared. Um, like like they said, first hour is going to be on the USA Network. Second hour is going to be on the WWE Network. And I can't wait to see how it all pans out when we get Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong for the North American Championship. The Fatal 4 number one contender women's match. And then you get Matt Riddle versus Killian Dean in the main event, more than likely, on the WWE Network. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NXT review. Great show overall. Um, everything built up, a lot of things built up properly, man. I could not be more happier that this was their quote-unquote go-home show before they hit the USA Network. We're going to take a short break and then get you ready for episode 108 of the Young Lions Perspective going down tomorrow. We'll talk about it after the break. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 107 of Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for coming out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and have any thoughts or opinions about NXT on this past Wednesday night, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. Let me know what you thought about the show. What do you thought about NXT? What do you think about the NXT women's division going forward? What do you think about the show overall? Give me your opinions on the show. Anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. Leave me a voice message. And if I really like it enough, that voice message might just be featured on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions perspective. Share this episode across all your social media, your Instagram, your Twitter, and your Facebook, and let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, if you do not happen to have the Anchor app and you still want to enjoy this episode of the podcast and all of the, all the other 106 episodes of the Young Lions perspective, including four episodes of The Secret Files and now six episodes of the Outside the Ropes podcast, including my most recent episode that I still have up on my Instagram page. Just a few hours left where I talked about the Antonio Brown situation. I did not do an episode here because I wanted to do it for the first time on IG Live. So there's about, I'd say, about four or five more hours that you can check this out as of this very recording at this very moment. Um, Yeah, you can still check out the podcast, though, on several Different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox.fm, 
Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these several different platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, you can follow me on my social media on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R. Capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live because, as you know, Raw is trash. NXT, NXT UK, if I do get a chance to do so. AEW, every live WWE pay-per-view. And if I have nothing else better to do at 2 a.m. in the morning, and I know I have no work that day, I do live tweeting for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to follow me on my Instagram, where I, talk, where I put up breaking news, one-minute videos about certain topics going on in the wrestling business at that very moment, or any other pictures I may put out. Follow me there on my Instagram. That's the home base of the YLP universe at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. Episode 108 is going to be going down tomorrow night. I know college football will be on, but I'll be at work while the Penn State Nittany Lions are playing the Pittsburgh Panthers. So more than likely, that game will be over by the time I get off. So I won't have to worry about much after that. Um, I will have college football on the background, but I will be recording episode 108 going to drop tomorrow night. If you're not going out on Saturday night, and if you are, please be responsible. Take that Uber or Lyft home and uh, make sure you bundle up just in case it gets cold. Until tomorrow night, guys, enjoy your weekend. It's a lovely day outside where I'm at, and I hope it's a lovely day where you're at, man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night for episode 108 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you!